1: Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside for I I think it's this counts as a back to back podcast. We've had a day off in between, but the Bucks Radio Network, Justin Garcia, is here with me in back in his usual spot on a Sunday night. And this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Uh, Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order now. Before I do bring in Justin here, I, I did this last week. And for those that listened to the show last week, I, I said when I go solo from now on, I'm going to be doing... It's essentially a mailbag, but it's the likes or dislikes from the listeners from what they've seen from the previous week. So I'm going to do this uh, in between the two Detroit games this week. So that's going to be on Wednesday for you guys over there in the US. I'll send out a tweet. You can get me on Twitter at Kane Pittman or the show at Locked on Bucks. So hopefully you are following those accounts and uh, we'll be able to run through some of the likes and dislikes from the previous week, which includes some games in Miami. It in- includes the Bulls game and the first Pistons game, which we'll get to a little bit later here. But speaking of news, Justin, I think you've got some news. I know for those that follow the Bucks on social media, and I'm sure a high percentage of the listeners do, they will be familiar with the courtside, the pregame courtside show that you've done in the past. And I know there was some staff turnover towards the back end of the season last year. So the pregame show kind of got shelved a little bit on all the digital platforms, but I'm hearing it might be back as early as tomorrow.
0: Yeah, uh, it was courtside live, and uh, depending on when you're listening to it, if it's the morning of the Bucks and Pistons game, tonight is our first show. It actually went away when you went back to Australia, (laughs) because I felt like every other game it was you. I was texting and saying, uh, can you come on this for a minute? But uh, yeah, after, no, our last broadcast of it was, I think it was either the Lakers game or the Mavericks game. And, um, there was some turnover behind the scenes, so we didn't have the uh, bandwidth to pull it off. And then the pandemic happened, but now, uh, it is back. I know they were working through a lot of details and I, I had teased it a couple of times. And then at the last minute it was up. Oh, yep. It's, it's coming back, but, uh, just hold off on announcing it. Cause we have to work through this, this, and this. So now it is official. We went through, um, some practice sessions and walkthroughs for it this morning and, before the Bucks play the Pistons and, and beginning that day, Monday, and for every Bucks home game, uh, we will be on the air. It'll be myself and Melanie Ricks. Uh, it starts two hours before tip-off. It's going to run for 90 minutes. You can watch it on Bucks.com or the Bucks app or the Fox Sports Wisconsin app, and it's going to be pretty similar to uh, what we did in the past where you'll get to see the players shooting and warming up. You'll get to hear from the coach. You'll get to hear – My Dynamite analysis, you'll get the entertainment from Mel. So um, it's a little longer, but we have all the bases covered this year.
1: No, that's really cool because the one thing that I think, and this is perhaps more so for fans that are out of market, out of the Milwaukee market or overseas like I am currently when you do watch league past one of the cool things that you get to see is the players warming up because for a lot of fans and a lot of people that love basketball they don't get to see the players shooting around pre-game that was one of the cool things about courtside live in the past is you would be able to get a sense for what Giannis does pregame and we know that I mean this guy works out like a maniac before games so you get a chance to see that type of vision with obviously the analysis over the top as well so I think it's really cool I'm glad they're bringing it back and by all reports it's going to be back uh bigger than ever so make sure you check that out and did you uh where can we where can we see this you want to run through that again
0: yeah it uh you can view it on the Bucks website on uh the Bucks app I believe the Bucks app at least I heard that from a few people and the Fox Sports. Wisconsin app, that's the big change this year is the show is presented by Fox Sports Wisconsin. There's a partnership with them, so you can view it on their app as well. And if you follow the Bucs, which I'm sure all the listeners of this show do, but if you follow their social channels, the Bucks usually will send out the links for it uh, just as it's beginning, so you can follow along there as well. Perfect. I'm
1: going to have to get on to Nick Monroe then because I, I remember with the, the preseason scrimmage, uh, I guess it was blocked for international uh, viewers or something like that. I couldn't get onto it. So I don't know. I might have to hit up Nick if I can't find a way to watch this. But uh, like, I mean, everyone that listens to this podcast knows you, knows you from Bucks Radio Network. And I would highly recommend uh, watching that. It's a different pregame show and uh, it's, it's better than than anything else uh, that has been uh, out there since, since you last did it, Justin. So I'm looking forward to that. I thought today we could talk a little bit about three-point shooting because I think continuously we are seeing this season that the early part or the early portion of this year is just going to be ridiculous. And I don't actually know how long this is going to extend. As we're recording this, I just finished watching Washington and Brooklyn and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant had wide open shots. They both missed on the last possession and the Wizards beat Brooklyn. So Brooklyn are now three and four on the season. I think they've lost four or five since Christmas Day. So again, the results that we're seeing across the league are just crazy. You don't know what to expect coming in on any given night. Uh, The Pistons beat the Celtics a couple of nights ago. That's who the Bucs have for the next couple of days here. And I think part of it is the fact that there's no real home court advantage anymore. Even with the travel, we're seeing that a team like Detroit, for instance, it'll be interesting to see how they fare on game one uh, tonight, as most people are listening to this, because uh, they have just come off a back-to-back playing Boston yesterday. But then the second part of that travel what would normally be a road game is not going to be so much that because they're going to be chilling in Milwaukee for a couple of days. They don't have to worry about the the, the flights and getting into a city late. They're going to be settled in Milwaukee. I think all of this is playing a factor, but how do you personally look at any of these results? Cause I'm I, like I said, I'm kind of looking at the box scores at the end of the night and going, Okay, cool. Well, I don't really know what to make of this. This is just a, a crazy situation and, and even more unheard of than, the bubble, because in those eight seeding games prior to the postseason, some teams had st- stuff to play for, others didn't. This is an open playing field, and it's just it's just complete madness right now.
0: I expected uh, weird results this season coming into the year, but uh, I was wrong on... I thought the, the good teams would be really good and the bad teams would be really bad because <laughs> of the travel and that you think about the schedule advantages you have if, if you're in Miami and Phoenix and, uh, you know, Denver too, where you think about schedule losses and the Bucks had it a couple of years ago and they actually won that where you go from L.A. to Denver in, you know, what, uh, 15 hours later and they won the game. But the, the Denver has in situations like that, I just assumed the good teams are going to have a big advantage there where you don't have schedule losses. That might be eliminated with this. So – if you're good, you're going to beat up on, on the bad teams. And you know. so far, it seems like that has been the even playing field. And I think part of it is what you mentioned where, yeah, uh, you, you might not have a schedule loss per se, but also if, if you're the Pistons, you might go on a road trip where you're starting it off with two games in three days in one city where you at least get to get into that routine and, you know, maybe the second game will favor the better team. But uh, the one thing that the players have mentioned so much, which I, I'm not really sure what to to make of it. I do believe this plays a factor, but you know, the whole, and we've talked about it with the Bucks. 50% of the roster is new and the turnover there, and it, it's still going to take time. And we've heard Giannis say it. He said it after Friday's game, Bobby Portis and Bryn Forbes talked about it after Friday as well. We're still, we're still learning each other and we're still learning the system in the case of some guys, it's going to take time, but I mean, this is every single team that's going through this. It's not as though the Bucks are the only team. So you'd see teams that have even more turnover than the Bucks, And, you know, they're getting off to hot starts. I mean, think about what Phoenix did and some other teams there and, and Detroit and the start that they got off to uh, with basically an entire new roster. So I've just long felt it's going to be a very weird year this season. And the most interesting part is I think most coaches will tell you and, if we look back at Bud's first year here, too, you know, we all point to the Knicks game. And I think it was you that brought up the question to him before the Knicks game on the, on the last road trip about that was kind of the turning point of their season, right, where Chris got benched. But then from that point forward, they started to kind of gel. And I think it really coincided with about two weeks later when you acquired George Hill and then that defense took off. And then uh, the Bucks were basically the team that we've seen for the last year and a half. That was about, what, 25 or 30 games into the season. I think most coaches will tell you, you need 20 to 30 games before you really know what your team is going to be. And the interesting part is, you know, you're going to be basically halfway through the season by the time that happens because of those 10 games that are lopped off. So I wonder, too, in in an adjustment and maybe there's more time that, you know, maybe coaches would say, hey, it could be closer to 35 or 40 this year with less of a training camp and, and not as much time to go through five on fives that by the time you feel like, okay, I know who my team is and we've gotten into this rhythm, you could be 60 or 70% of the way done with the season and we could see very, very weird standings moving into the playoffs and potentially strange playoff matchups. Yeah, I just do wonder how, uh, how many consistent
1: results you're going to be able to predict. I mean, you already mentioned the Knicks game and this is one thing, again, we mentioned, I think a couple of days ago on the podcast, certainly last year, the Bucs had that stretch of beating below 500 teams. And I'm just not sure whether you're going to be able to predict that this year, which is actually why when we did the over and under podcast, I think Frank and myself both took the under on the win line with betonline.ag, which I think was 50.5, which is the Bucks yeah. three and three. It's very, very early, but 51 wins does seem like a long way away, but it's the perfect time to mention betonline.ag. Actually, because we also, not only was I just watching the Brooklyn Nets uh, game, but I did finish watching the Packers who uh, did clinch the number one seed. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are very, very happy about that. Uh, and there is only one place that has you covered and one place when we trust when it comes to sport betting. That's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Uh, You've got NFL playoffs coming up here. The NBA will continue to roll on. I don't know if you're feeling that brave after the conversation we've just had, but don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Betting on the NBA and the Bucks doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert, Lee Sterling, get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wages. Subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. And actually, the that game that I've mentioned a couple of times now, the Nets game, is fantastic that they lost because it's like old times with the Bucs right now. Three and three, exactly sitting at 500 and in the eighth seed. It's, just, it's this comfortable position that as people that watch the Bucs, we got used to for so, so long. But I want to read some of these numbers, these three-point shooting numbers here, Justin. This is, this is just to give an indication of how ridiculous this is right now. In 2020, this is prior to the bubble starting so prior to the league shutdown miami and utah were tied for number one at, with three-point shooting percentage 38.3 percent that was miami and utah leading the league seven teams at a percentage of greater than 37 so far in 2021 and of course it's a small sample size the bucks lead the nba 43.9 percent the lakers are second at 41.8 the hawks are third at 40 and you've got 12 teams, up from seven, that are above 37% early in the season here. Uh, and just to give a historical perspective of what this would mean, uh, there has been uh, a few teams over the course of the last 25 years that have shot greater than 40% over the course of a season. Golden State did it in two individual seasons. The Suns did it in the late 2008-2009 2000, era Suns there. The Kings did it in the early 2000s, as did the Spurs. And then the Hornets did it. Uh, in the 90s. So that's the the number of teams that have shot over 40% over the course of a season. And there's never been more than one team to shoot greater than 40%. So again, these numbers I expect are going to come down. But what happens if there's no crowds for the entire season? Maybe they won't come down. Because I, again, I do think that the defense is getting used to playing with new teams. I think combined with the fact that there's no crowd, there's no real home court advantage. I think both of those things are contributing to the hot shooting that we're seeing and just naturally, I don't expect the Bucks to stay up at around 43.9%. I believe it's going to come down. But having said that, I don't know what to expect at this point if, the, if it remains the way it is. And there is no crowds and no home court advantage. For example, the Bucks, and this is just to give an indication of how hot they've been to start, on above the break threes, they're shooting 46.3% this year. Uh, last year, across the regular season, there were 34.7%. The Bucks were a very average three-point shooting team last year. I think they were uh, sort of anywhere from the 15 to 20 range uh, prior to the bubble and then after as well. They weren't exactly an elite shooting team, but that 34.7%, 12% lower than where they're at right now. So, look, I think that the only thing that we can take from this, and this is what makes uh, you know, really reading anything into the Bucks' record so far difficult, is that the, the shooting should come back to the norm And then the Bucs are going to have to find other ways to score because their offense right now is at a turret pace.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I mean, everybody's pointed it out, but the Bucs lead or led the league after Friday's game in three-point shooting in terms of the volume of threes made. And that was even considering the performance they had against the Knicks where they hit, what, I think seven threes in that game. So, um, you know, that's what stood out. I mean, obviously when you have three games – where you hit 20 or more, which by the way, it took them six games to set a new franchise mark and never had three games of 20 or more threes in the same season before. But when you have three games like that, that'll offset it quite a bit. But still, you know, we didn't see a stretch like that from them last season. We're not necessarily the offense clicking, but three point wise, they were very inconsistent throughout the year. And you know they're one of those teams that you'll look at in the regular season and see the Bucks are towards the top in three pointers made and taken, but the volume isn't there or the percentage, excuse me, isn't there because of you know some of the guys that they have as as you'll hear people put it as fake good shooters and we saw that kind of come to fruition in the postseason. I know you and I talked about it. I do feel like they are in a better spot this year in terms of their shooters than they were. A year ago, um, I'm still not going to say they're elite and you certainly don't expect them to make 23s a night or 18, I think, that they're averaging now. But I do feel like overall they're better. And, you know, I I think the two biggest guys that have had the impact, and it's really no coincidence, are Dante DiVincenzo, who we talked about quite a bit, and obviously Bryn Forbes, too, where Bryn Forbes is basically filling that Kyle Corver role. But when you heard Giannis talk about him after the game, on Friday and you heard him gush about him. Uh, you wondered if is Br- is brain going to become, you know, basically on that pat level where he's one of Giannis's guys, uh-huh. where he talked about being willing to give up his body and the things that he does defensively and how strong he is and developing that connection with him. I went back and looked through the six games and uh, some of the numbers for Giannis. I think the most encouraging thing, and you've talked about this, we all have, but the most encouraging thing to me so far this season is you know, what Giannis is doing in terms of assists on the outside shot, where the majority of his assists have led to three-pointers. But in the last three games especially, it feels like it's really clicked for him. I think it's 26 of 36 overall this year. But the last three games, 19 of his 24 assists have led to three-pointers. That he's assisted, 19 of those have been three. So that shows you, you know, talking about – he's talked about stubbornness and trying to figure out how to beat beat defenses – to me, that proves his point, that he is getting there, and he's seeing here's where the open guy is. Now it's a, it's a double-edged sword where your teammates also have to hit the shots, and right now they are at a clip you can't expect to continue. Um, but the fact that Giannis is finding guys outside, his assists are leading to threes, that's what is encouraging to me. And, you know, we knew small sample size theater here, but we knew – the offensive rating between Giannis and Brent Forbes when they're on the floor together would be off the charts for those lineups. I think right now it's the second highest rated lineup the Bucks have. Um, but what really strikes me most is that most of the threes are coming there. I think they have a basically about a quarter of the Bucks threes this season are in minutes where that duo has been on the floor together and they've played less than 20% of the minutes that the Bucks have played. So they're making the most of the minutes where Giannis is out there with Brent Forbes and that was one of the complaints a lot of people had last year of when you're going to play Kyle Korver only playing when Giannis is on the floor because that's where it makes sense. We're not technically seeing that, but we're seeing more production when Bryn Forbes is on, those, on the floor in those minutes with Giannis versus what we saw last year.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be really curious as the season progresses to track exactly what you're talking about. Who's the guy that the Bucs want to pair with Giannis as that lethal shooter because, you know, Bryn Forbes, if you look at the numbers going back in previous years, he's been an elite catch-and-shoot guy and he hasn't played with a player that draws the attention that Giannis does. I mean, it's as simple as that. And I think for all the things that we talk about for the Bucks' failures in the postseason for years gone by, it's the fact they couldn't hit threes. There was a significant reason for their inability to get through, uh, obviously, Toronto and then Miami. So uh, I do think on paper the Bucks are a better shooting team I still do have concerns with the fact that at the moment, to this point, the Bucks are relying very, very heavily on those threes. Now, of course, you can sit back and say, well, they've won all three games. All three of their wins have come by 30-plus points, so maybe they don't need to be relying on the three as heavily as they have for those wins, and I'll buy that. I will accept that. But I do think they're still going to have to find a way to score in other ways in the half court. Clearly, Chris Middleton has been a guy that's carried them in the past. Drew Holiday has shown an ability to get to his spots within the arc. And I think that's going to be important. But another player for me, we speak about him a lot. You just brought him up, Dante DiVincenzo. It's going to be fascinating to see uh, how he progresses offensively through this season. Uh, Currently, he's averaging 13.5 points per game. If he keeps that up through the year, that'll be a fantastic boost for this team, both working with the starters and when he's asked to score in second units. But the the only concern I would have right now uh, for Dante is that only two of his 30 uh, made baskets so far have been unassisted. That's partially what you're talking about is the the fact that he is getting found by Giannis. We know they've always had chemistry, but a lot of his shots have been assisted to this point, particularly uh, the threes, but he is only 10 for 18 in a restricted area and 10 for 21 in the paint. So in the paint, he's below 50%. Uh, again, super small sample size. But that's a number for me to watch throughout this season because he's not going to be able to keep up the 60-plus percent from three. I don't want to uh, disappoint anyone there that had expectations that he might. That's going to come down. So then if he wants to continue scoring at the rate that he is, he's going to have to find other ways to score. We saw that game against Miami, the second one where the Bucks lost, where he missed several layups that either perhaps he maybe shouldn't have tried those shots or he, he should, have, should have just simply finished those. So that's a number for me to watch with Dante DiVincenzo is how does he score within the arc? And does he develop continue to develop the ability to score when he's not assisted? And the other guy clearly is Giannis right now. Uh, 30 for 42 in the restricted area, 71%, which is elite and exactly what we've come to expect from him. Uh, we spoke about the the free throws a lot. I don't have those numbers in front of you, but I know they're not pretty. But then he's non-restricted area shots so far this season, 18 for 58, 31%. So there's two numbers for me that I'm going to be keeping track of that I'm not reading into too much yet because it's far too soon. But Giannis, non-restricted area, efficiency, and Dante DiVincenzo, all of his scoring within the arc, I think are two things to watch for how this team's going to be able to uh, be able to score in the half court when it really matters.
0: Yeah, and, and to the point that you brought up on Dante, after Friday's game, I was just, you know, looking almost immediately after the game ended and, and thinking about what Dante has continued to do through these six games and saying, okay, i what i mean i know in terms of eyeball test how it looks differently compared to last year but statistically what is it what are the big differences here and i was looking around on cleaning the glass and i mean even if you look at the shot charts for dante this year versus last year it is startling how the you know the mid range and anything inside the arc is basically absent that all mm-hmm. of his offense has come from the outside and bud talked about it too where He's taking those confident ones, too, where it's you know the ones that we would see Brooke Lopez take in the past, and Dante starting off the game with these. So that's certainly encouraging, but it won't, and it can't last throughout the season. So he does need to be a hybrid of the guy that we saw the last two years and the guy that we're seeing this year, that if he can at least supplement the offense that he gave you last year with what he's doing now – then that's the ideal match. And he's one of the more interesting guys when you think about entering the league. Most of us probably knew nothing about him or didn't see much other than the national championship game, which was basically the guy you're seeing now. And then the two years prior, he was completely different from that, where he was doing other things and and attacking the basket and more of the defensive guy. So he's starting to put all of it together. I did have one person ask me earlier in the week, like, man, is Dante – making people forget about Bogdanovich, like, all right, let's, let's calm down. It's six games, and with Dante, it, it's going to be, I think to a lesser extent, but it's still going to be the same question we have for this overall team and how does this translate to the postseason. But it's a good start, and I'll say this too. I mean, if you're, we talk about the Bucks and how disappointed they must have been at the time that that trade happened and not to harp on it too much. But, man, the more we look back on it, if you're the Kings – you could be facing something where you thought you were getting this guy. Who, who knows? I mean, I know John Hollinger picked him as his most improved player. Maybe Dante does become that, and Dante becomes this guy that averages 15 or more points a game. Here you were getting him. Now not only do you not get him, but you opt not to match the deal, and you get nothing for Bogdan Bogdanovich. That, you know, potentially we're still a ways away from it. But this could really end up being a big whiff for the Kings more so than the Bucks.
1: Yeah, no doubt, and certainly I'm not willing to to get into the <laughs> into the Bogdanovich-Divincenzo conversation yet. It is far too early, and as we've said, some of the stuff he's doing isn't sustainable. But uh, having said that, he he is definitely displaying an ability that he could be this guy, and I think we felt it last year, and it didn't quite come to fruition. He is definitely displaying that ability that he could be a guy. That wins you a playoff game because we aren't expecting and no one is expecting him to be the leading scorer on the team but he, he he did last
0: year technically
1: well yeah that's but th- that's the point like if you look at DiVincenzo right now it, it, can you see a guy that on one playoff game just one not across the whole series but one playoff game could yeah, get you 25 Dante points game. right I, mean, yeah. I can see it I can see yeah. it happening particularly if he gets uh, some of those finishes in the paint there as well. Uh, currently, I do believe that DiVincenzo's career high is 19 points. Uh, he's, he's certainly threatened to, uh, to get near that in first halves of games this year. Then he's faded out a little bit. But DiVincenzo will be a player to watch throughout the season, no doubt, for multiple reasons. And I think we're all excited about at least the way that he has started. But I do want to talk about Bilt Bar. Did you ever uh, get a, a replenish the stocks of Bilt Bar? Or what's the status?
0: Uh I I'm I'm going to have to especially now that I told you I'm going to be spending a whole lot more time at the arena and it, we're you know we're still BYO everything so yeah I'm going to have to restock the built bars
1: well if Justin Garcia, the host of Courtside Live is eating built bar, then there's really no excuse for no one else to do it we know it's the best tasting protein bar that's ever been made they're covered in 100% chocolate soft and easy to chew uh, great for the health conscious guy as well which is always a bonus lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. Uh, we still got the same deal. It's a beauty. You go to builtbar.com and use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get twenty percent off your next order. Use promo code Locked On for twenty percent off at builtbar.com. All right, I teased it earlier in this show, but for Wednesday. I'm going to be doing the listener likes and dislikes here on Locked On Bucks. It's going to be a weekly show. When I go solo, rather than me just rambling on about what I'm thinking, we may as well hear what you guys are thinking and what you guys want me to talk about. So we'll be doing that on Wednesday. So keep an eye out on social media for the prompts there to send through your thoughts, as you guys always do through the week, to be fair. But this is a good segue for this because I did want to talk about the rotation a little bit. And uh, a regular listener and someone that comments... On Twitter and, and hits me up every now and then with some thoughts is Jake Reitz and his Twitter handle is at Jar Jar Reitz, uh, that's R-E-T-Z there, and uh, he did it, had a thread a couple of days ago here where he was just looking at early season rotations, um, it's well worth checking it out if you want to jump on and have a look there. Uh, the one thing I'll say with the rotations to this point, I'm not necessarily that interested in numbers or net ratings or offensive ratings, defensive ratings, just because the variance is so high in regards to some of these lineups that you're looking at. For instance, the Bucks starters so far are the most used lineup, which is the surprise to no one, 64 minutes. But then the next most used lineup is only at 18 minutes. That's drew Chris and Giannis with DJ Augustine and Bobby Portis. And that's only at 18 minutes. So I do keep track of the starters to see where they're at, particularly defensively, because a lot of the times they're going up against the opposition starters. Uh, so far, those numbers have been fantastic. Again, There's been some blowouts there that are going to distort that. But the starters have a net rating of 21.8, defensive rating of 98.6. That's fantastic. But the question I have for you, Justin, really in relation to the rotation, because again, what's happening in the first week or two weeks of the season, I just don't really care about. I've still got my eyes towards the playoffs. And the one question that we all have in our mind coming into this season was, who is going to be the guys that are locked into your playoff rotation of eight, nine, 10 players i think right now for me and i'll be interested to know if you feel the same way i think there's seven locks in my mind that yep they're going to be the guys that'll be in the rotation and it's the guys i just mentioned the starters and then dj augustine and bobby portis uh is that is that kind of where you're at as well
0: well are are you asking what i would do or what the coach is going to do because there is one name (laughs) that is conspicuous by its absence there and we know Pat Connaughton is going to be a big part of that rotation. Um, Yeah, and, you know, I'm with you where, uh, look, it's it's six games in, and think back to the last two years, and especially the first year under Bud. Granted, personnel changes had a lot to do with the changes we saw as the season moved on, but think of how different the rotation was as we advanced through the season, through the first 25 to 35 or so games. It's going to be the same this year, where – This is what's happening right now. I mean, look no further than week one versus week two, where week two, it's the NASIS that gets a call over DJ Wilson. It's going to continue to be fluid like that. Um, I think the big X factor in terms of their bench for rotations and X factor in terms of we don't really know yet is Torrey Craig that I thought coming in, and I think you were in the same boat, that Torrey Craig would have been in that category. We didn't see it in the preseason we didn't really see it in the first few games, and then the injury occurred. But still, just as we said, it's not going to be until we're about 35 to 40 games in that this rotation and everything else settles in. So I'm not going to be too worried about that until we get, you know, 20 games in and Torrey Craig, assuming he's healthy and, and back from the injury, uh, is not is still not a part of the rotation. Then you'll raise an eyebrow. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and, you know, the big thing, too, is going to be this year, uh, we saw the shift where you assume the starters are going to play a lot more. And we saw that early on. Now, granted, the numbers are probably equal to what they were last year just because of the blowouts that the Bucks have been in. But we've seen the tendency where, you know, Giannis, uh, his first substitution has come a little later in the first quarter than we've seen in the past. And some other minor changes like that, I think it's going to be a pared down rotation once we get to the postseason simply because – those five starters are going to play the bulk of the minutes. And, uh, you know, I, I guess the other positive thing about the three-point shooting is in terms of volume of makes, Bucks most makes in shooting about 40% too when it happens are when their three best players are on the floor. So that is encouraging. You, I mean, you couldn't say that last year if you considered Eric Bledsoe your third best player. So that was one of the reasons you got Drew Holiday. And so far, again, just six games, it's paying off.
1: I would agree with that. And I think the important thing you noted throughout that was that we do expect, or we do hope that come playoff time, you're going to see more minutes from those starters anyway. Uh, The reason why I didn't mention uh, Pat Conraden is because I I think, again, I'm thinking from my point of view, and I do expect that Pat's probably going to be in the rotation. I think that's fair to say, but I do think that there is at least a discussion to be had for guys that will play on any given night. And Torrey Craig, as you pointed to, it would be fascinating to me to know whether Tory Craig would have come in to the rotation ahead of you know, what essentially became the DJ Wilson minutes if he didn't uh, have that broken nose. And then we've seen Thanasis play over the last couple of nights. So uh, Bryn Forbes, another guy that you mentioned, the way I see it currently is that you have those seven guys and then you have... Pat Connaughton, Torrey Craig, maybe Jordan Moore as the season goes on. Maybe he's a guy that starts to work his way into the rotation on that sort of forward wing positions there. I don't expect the Nassus will be in there come playoff time. But again, I mean, he hasn't been horrible. I just think that the come playoff time, there's going to be better options there. And then at the guard position, yes, yeah, Bryn Forbes is a guy I expect to play, particularly, as you noted, with the relationship and chemistry he seems to be forming with Giannis. But also, I think then you keep your eye on a guy like Sam Merrill, who we'll see. We don't know. I mean, it's a long regular season. Injuries can happen. Guys could potentially miss games and other players will get their opportunity. But I just think there's more mixing and matching on a nightly basis that could occur with the other guys in the rotation. Whereas those seven with Bobby and DJ coming off the bench, I think are are locked in. I mean, those are the guys that are going to play every single night. And the other guys, I would like to hope that there is the flexibility where Bud is going to lock down and say, okay, we're playing nine guys tonight. We're playing eight, nine guys every playoff game. We'll mix and match as we see fit depending on the matchups. We need another wing defender. I'm not going to put Pat Connaughton on Jason Tatum in game four of the Eastern Conference finals or the second round. I'm going to play Torrey Craig. This is what we brought him in for. This is his specialty. Go defend Jason Tatum for a couple of possessions.
0: Yeah. And you know, I think we've talked about this before too. I got to say I, the, the rookie that I thought I would be enamored with was Sam Merrill coming into the season, but I continue to be intrigued by Jordan Wara and the minutes that he gives you. Granted, it's typically in blowouts where, hey, go find a shot here. But the skill set is there offensively and the quick release that he has that I'm not saying put him in the rotation to make him one of the guys. But he is very interesting to me as we move through the season and see if he can continue to build upon what he has showed you so far this year. And again, I'm we're both in the same boat where – It's still too early to settle in on here's clearly what Bud is doing with the rotation and here's what we think he thinks. But the thing that has really intrigued me the most with it is the whole inclusion of Thanasis this past week and, um, you know, when talking about Tory Craig, when we asked him about the minutes that haven't been there for Tory Craig, to hear Bud lump him in with uh, DJ Wilson, essentially, and saying, well, DJ's earned the minutes and, you know, we think Tory Craig can help out this team, but DJ right now is playing well and has earned him. The fact that you're lumping it in with DJ Wilson, I found to be the most interesting of, so do you view Tory Craig as a four or do you view him as a two, three, four, a guy that can do everything? And based off that answer, they view him as more of a front court guy.
1: Yeah, I think that was the interesting thing because I think we uh, before the season we were kind of like, well, Bobby Portis and DJ Wilson might be fighting for minutes and we might see more of the the smaller lineup, which we assumed was Giannis and DJ. We thought that might just start to happen, but hasn't shown any real, I would say, uh, commitment to to running those lineups. Again, only six games into the season, but uh, like we pointed out, I think, on the show over the weekend, the fact that Tanasis came in ahead of DJ, not a great sign for him. So we'll wait and see what happens here as the season goes on. And the other point to, to make and to stress, of course, is that the, there is going to be an avenue, and John Horst has even spoke about this, that there is going to be an avenue for the Bucks to pick up another guy that if you're getting someone in the buyout market or that type of nature, again, the trade is kind of going to be difficult just given the cap situation. We'll wait and see what happens there. But if you are going to uh, bring someone into the squad in the buyout market, that's generally a guy that's playoff ready and a guy that you want to play in the postseason as well. So that's the other thing to point out when we have this discussion. Well,
0: Something can happen. And, there. and let's go ahead and say it. That guy's name is Ersan Ilyasov. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't actually heard. There were some rumors a couple of weeks ago that Ersan was, uh, was signing uh, back in turkey i think but we haven't heard anything he might be chilling he, he actually might be in wisconsin i wonder if anyone has any confirmation of that
0: yeah i'll i'll have to uh i'll have to snoop around and i know uh, some of the bucks uh media relations staffers or at least one of them was neighbors with our son so i'll have to check huh. around and see hey does our son still live down the street from you
1: yeah that's, that's that would be interesting because i know he's uh, he's spoken extensively that his family never left Uh, wisconsin even when he went on that tour to orlando and philadelphia and wherever else he was his family still well they still had the house anyway in wisconsin there so we'll see. i mean i just would not be surprised at all that he's going to be wearing a milwaukee jersey again at some point
0: no no i mean we make the joke but honestly i one it wouldn't shock me and two we're obviously it's way down the road from here but just doing a cursory glance at teams and the standings before the season started or what we projected to be the standings and saying okay based on salaries and roster makeup here like who could be the potential buyout guys I mean I struggled to come up with a lot of playoff ready bigs that could help you in the form that the Bucks would be looking for on some of those teams you assumed would be dumping guys into the buyout market so I mean you at least have to be aware of it and uh and Bledsoe too I thought that was interesting that he told us when we talked to him before the preseason game, that his family stays here because his kids are in school. So the Bledsoe's are still living in Wisconsin as well.
1: Hmm. I actually missed that. I didn't, I didn't hear him say that. And uh, Bledsoe hit a game winner, a three, uh, ironically. Yeah. How about that yesterday? Uh, I, be- I believe that might have been against uh, Toronto, who, uh, who have had their early season struggles as well I was going to talk about James Harden today a little bit because I guess that one is still hanging out there but I'm sure we'll have plenty of time still to discuss what the hell is going to happen with James Harden and I think there is still at least somewhat of a possibility or a significant possibility that he ends up out east so we'll wait and see what happens but again looking at the early season records and standings right now is um is quite confusing and perhaps not what everyone expected through the season but uh, it's a 7 p.m. tip central against the Pistons. So what does that mean? 5 p.m. Courtside
0: Live uh, kicks off? 5 p.m. Courtside Live kicks off. Uh, it's going to be a 2 o'clock call time for me. And then, of course, we have the post game show afterwards as well. So yeah, I'm going to be in the building for about 10 hours. I'm going to need to stock up on these built bars. Oh man,
1: that is, a, that is a big day of talking for you. So uh, as, as we said, right from the start, make sure you check that out tomorrow. Uh, support Justin and the courtside show because it's going be, uh, to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it over here. Like I said, uh, normally i am just got league pass. on waiting for the game to start anyway. So this will be a nice addition to the pre-game uh, situation because I know also there's some people that can't get onto Fox Sports Wisconsin right now or it's difficult to find those broadcasts. So this will be great. Uh, Justin, back-to-back pods, always a pleasure.
0: Always a pleasure, and uh, yeah, as, a, as I said, we uh, we're still working through uh, interviews, but I believe we're uh, we're setting up the technology to, to play a video conferencing interview. So I would imagine you will be making regular appearances on the show.
1: Unbelievable! I guess I owe you a little bit. I think the I think the scales have tipped, and now you've been on this show more than I did that. But I don't know; it could be pretty even. But uh, Bucks Pistons, the first game of a back-to-back as I mentioned earlier the Pistons beat the Celtics a couple of days ago and who knows what to expect so we're hoping that the Bucs can finally win back-to-back games and get over 500 it's not something that we've used to been saying them going below 500 t- stuck at 500 the last couple of seasons so hopefully we are with you after a Bucs win over the Pistons but for Justin and myself stay safe we'll speak to you guys after the game